This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall, and me, Colonel Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, March 7th, 2020. And people in the audience are going to raise their eyebrows and ask themselves, did Daddy Warpig, in fact, just call himself a colonel? We know he wasn't in the Army or Navy or Air Force or Marines, or we assume the Special Forces or the Space Force. So is this some kind of stolen valor situation? And uh, I promise you, faithful listeners of this show, that I, your host, am not stealing anyone's valor. I am, in point of fact, a perfectly legitimate colonel with the right and the privilege to attach the title colonel to my name wherever and whenever I please. In fact, you may know a fellow member of my, my organization, Colonel Sanders, who is also not in the military, but is a colonel. So, does this shock you that I'm a colonel? I'm a bit surprised. Al although the Colonel Sanders bit it really threw me off. You said that he is a colonel. Yes. Does Colonel Sanders walk the earth today, or does he live on in all of our hearts? I see time differently than most people. Actually, I see time uh, verbs differently than most people. You know how you get like that, that like tricky stuff in mystery TV shows where they turn to somebody and said, "Yes, but you said was," meaning you knew she was dead. I'd be screwed because I'm just <laughs> not that precise with the temporal language there. Uh, Plus, I'm pretty sure that only works on TV. Yeah. So, you know. But anyways, yeah, Colonel Sanders is a member, alive or dead, he's still a member of uh, the Colonels, the Honorable Order of Kentucky Colonels. Um, and it's, a, uh, it's an organization dedicated to recognizing people who have rendered public service in the state of Kentucky. I may have mentioned it on the show before. So, I've never heard of this before. Yeah. Um, so once you have done qualifying good works on behalf of the state of Kentucky, public service like, you know, cleaning up parks and, and uh, helping out the homeless or whatever your particular uh, kind of service may be, you can apply for membership uh, or someone, I think someone has to apply who is already a member has to apply on your behalf. Uh, and you, if they accept your application, you become a Kentucky Colonel. 
Now, wow. uh, the reason why I mention this is because last night while I was looking through some stuff on the internet, and I can't even remember how I stumbled across this, I found out that there is a Scottish tradition where people who own land uh, are entitled to use the title laird, which is to say lord. You're not a member of the aristocracy, but because you're a landowner, you're entitled to use that title. Now, you can't rent a house. You, you have to actually own land. And it's kind of an archaic tradition, but it's a real tradition. So there are a few organizations, I found four, who are trying to maintain historic castles and whatnot. Uh, there's also a, um, a company who owns, uh, who produces liquor. Um, a specific rare and expensive Scottish liquor. Um, if you send them money, usually it, it seems to be about $50 US, they will sell you a one-by-one one patch of land in Scotland and give you, like, GPS coordinates for it. Huh. And uh, also send you a big package with it. And uh, some some of them put up a plaque with your name on it. Uh, in the castle, you can go there, get a free tour of the castle, and uh, you know, go and visit your plot. Um, and then uh, they use the money they make from this to uh, keep up the castle to make sure it doesn't fall into disrepair and um, you know, do all the normal maintenance you would, so it, it remains beautiful and people can go in and, and check out their history. So it's like buying a share in a corporation, only it's a plot on the grounds of a castle. Right. And and with that, you get the right to call yourself a laird or lord. So last night I, you know, got on Twitter and I was like, I explained the situation. Uh, and I actually looked into it and and it's enough of a corner case to make historians really, you know, really natty about it. <laughs> they can kind of see it. But it's also valid enough to be within the realm of, you know, souvenirs and, and novelty things, valid-ish. I was thinking about myself, you know, I could be called Lord Warpig. Or I could stick Colonel in there. And I could be called Lord Colonel Warpig. Pretty good. And then I shared it. Because if there is one other person on the planet I knew for a fact who would spend money to call himself Laird or Lord, do you even have a guess who that would be? You? John, one other person. Oh. John Delarose. Of course he oh, would. Of course. <clears throat> so <laughs> I shared it with John and the and the 
<laughs> and he was even more excited than I was. Because <laughs> he, he can now, he's, he's a reverend. That's right. So he can call himself Lord Reverend Delarose. <laughs> that guy does not need a bigger head. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, man, that's just what the Pulp Revolution needs when we march out in a gang fight. We have a Lord Reverend on one side to bless our souls and the Lord Colonel on the other side. Lord Colonel Warpig on the other side to lead our forces into battle. Booyakasha! Yeah, we should. Yeah, it, so, it sounds like some sort of pseudo army. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm thinking. You know, we got the we got the numbers, we got the guts, we got the manpower. I'm thinking the uh, the uh, pulp revolution is ready to throw down. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what title I would buy if I could just buy one. So. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Uh, what What was the meeting like at the castle? Hey, you know, and I'm not going to do the Scottish accent. I can't. Hey, you know, we're out of money. How can we get some? Hmm. Well, we could sell off the land. No, we don't want to sell off the land. Okay, okay, but hear me out. <laughs> Remember that anybody who owns land is a lord, so there's our marketing pitch. <laughs> Brilliant! Let's do it! No I, I was, shame. No shame whatsoever. I was legitimately researching this last night. Like I legitimately read the article by a historian who is really upset by this who was angry. So I got the most vitriolic uh, take on it. And he, even he had to admit, yes, just people who owned land who didn't have to get a title or anything could call themselves Laird. But he says, and it's a tradition. It's not a law. You don't have to be registered with anything. It's just a tradition. But he says, yeah, but, but it was originally meant for people with estates. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's the benefit of traditions. <laughs> They can, uh, uh, they, they tend to change. So anyways, I, 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 and I am legitimately, I'm not saying I'm doing it like yesterday, but I'm legitimately considering doing it. My, my brother-in-law did it, um, because he's from Scott, his ancestors are from Scotland. And when him and my sister went over to Scotland on, on tour, they went to the castle. They got a, you know, free tour. They visited it. They saw the, you know, little plot and everything. It was kind of cool for them. Oh, neat. So, I mean, it is a, it's a novelty thing, but it, it, they're actually helping do some good. And some of these aren't just castles. They're an island or woods. Uh, so they're actually helping keep up, you know, uh, an estate. They're helping keep up uh, a natural park uh, that is on Scotland's Registry of Parks. Uh, so they're actually doing some good in the world by doing this. So. Uh, when I become Laird Colonel Warpig, I will let people know. Just answer Simon Hogwood in the chat. That's that's perfect. And and you can be one of those douchebags who go around 
It's like, uh, Mr. Mr. Warpig. Excuse me. That's <laughs> that's a Laird Colonel Warpig, if you don't uh, mind. One of them is called Blackwood. So I'm seriously considering becoming Laird Colonel Warpig of Blackwood. That's that's a prime choice right there. So, uh, but I will let everybody know. My name is still Daddy Warpig, but this would be titles appended thereunto. Uh, and I thought this would be an appropriate opener to the show because it's like medieval and lordish and stuff. And you Pretty had good. some, you had a, you went to a movie that was sort of, but not entirely medieval and stuff. Sort of. Yeah. Um, I got my dad visiting. So, uh, and, and he hasn't learned to hate Disney yet. So we went and checked out the new Pixar film onward. Have you seen the, the commercials, the trailers for this one? Yes, I have. Well, I'm going to give you the basic premise anyway. It's a, it's a fantasy world where the main characters are actually two young elves. Yeah, two coming-of-age elves. But it's a, it's a modernized fantasy world where they sort of lost, everybody lost the gift for magic. So it's elves and centaurs and trolls and, and dragons and everything just sort of living together in a modern society. Right. And uh, the two two young elves have uh, have lost their dad, but they go on a quest for, to learn a spell to bring him back for a day. All this is in the trailers. That's the premise. Right. And so it's an adventure story. Uh, sort of people in the in the modern world try and find medieval adventure and magic in the world. Um, and it ended up being a ended up being a sweet little movie. Nice. There, that's it. That's it. <laughs> no, um, I liked it. Uh, it was it was really nice. It wasn't as much of, uh, you know, the the older brother is you know a D and D nerd and. Uh, he loves all the old history and 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 in this setting, uh, the games that they play are historically accurate. Unlike games like Dungeons and Dragons and everything are to the real world, where they don't really paint an accurate picture of what you know medieval Europe might be like. So they sort of use this game as a guideline to try to understand the quest that they're on to find this spell. You know, the spells in the player's guide are actual spells in the world that they can learn to use. And of course, it turns out that, you know, the younger one has the gift of magic. And so they, you know, they go off on an, on an adventure. Uh, but it really is a sweet a uh, story about the the two brothers their brotherhood and coming of age of course for the for the younger one uh learning confidence and strength and uh, integrity and all that and so the story beats are really familiar uh but the execution was what you'd expect from Pixar is a beautifully animated film and the one thing I really remarked on as I was leaving was how uh, how detailed and realistic all the scenery is. 
in a way that I hadn't noticed in prior films. Maybe maybe Ratatouille, where they tried really hard to make it look like a real place. The you know the cars, the buildings, the you know the bricks, the rocks, and everything like that. It, it in many scenes it didn't really look like a cartoon, which is to their credit. Uh, so, what can I say? It was pretty good, and uh, and of course, thanks to thanks to Pixar uh, being decent writers, it was a it was a bit of a tearjerker at the end. I'm not saying I was crying, but I I heard a lot of sniffles in the theater. I would never do that. That's All it. Right. <laughs> that is that is really it. Anything else you want to know about it? I can't think of a single question right now because basically if it's a really good movie, there's, some, there's usually not a lot to say. Yeah, and, uh, and it was good. Uh, I'm not going to say really good. I don't think it'll win Best Animated Film. And for those of you in the audience who say, don't give money to people who hate you, blah, 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 Disney's evil. Okay. There's a tiny bit of pause in there, uh, in some of the characters and, and what they say. Uh, it's not, it's not subtle, but they're also, it's also not the point of the movie. It's, it's definitely sort of, it's definitely background noise. Um, but if you want to hate watch anything, I actually do recommend seeing this film. And for those of you in who are fans of outrage, all of the trailers were uh the trailers were other children's movies coming up or other young people movies coming up cartoons like trolls and scooby-doo and 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 a couple of other things obviously geared towards kids or families and it is all trash absolute irredeemable trash as you might expect from a you know a commercial for a movie about those stupid troll toys you had when you were a kid and remember, remember Disney buying Fox? Yes. Remember how movies always start with a short before the film? Traditional in, in Disney films and, and a lot, it used to be all, all sorts of films. Well, yeah, Pixar always does that. Pixar always does that. The short for this film was a little Simpsons short with Maggie Simpson as the focus, which was a little jarring. He, when it came up, it, as soon as the title card came up, my dad was even like, wait, really? And <clears throat> I got to say, it was terrible. <laughs> if you want to hate watch anything, go see this movie. You're going to enjoy the actual movie, but the, the film in the short ahead of it, Absolutely terrible, unredeemable trash, irredeemable, irredeemable. The The Simpsons hasn't been relevant for 20 years. And <clears throat> yes, and the Simpsons themselves, not to mention the subject, the, the actual cartoon itself, is not really geared towards kids at all. It was, it was something, I guess, made to make adults chuckle. 
that's entirely the wrong movie to stick it in front of. Yeah, terrible, terrible idea. Um, terrible execution. Uh, there were <clears throat> there were almost no jokes in the in the short. There was there was one joke that was actually very funny because uh, it had to do with like a train going away, but of course it's it's in a little playground, so the train just comes back around and everybody has everybody has a laugh. <clears throat> but anyway, so yeah, there's plenty to hate watch too, but the the film itself was good. All right. That's it for it was called Onward. And I don't know why they tried to hide it in March. I mean it's not gonna be it's not gonna be hailed as their their best film ever, but it was nice. It was sweet. Uh what about you? You're you you're a Pixar guy. Are you planning to see that? Um I am not I'm really, really planning on not going out in public until uh this Caltrop situation is dealt with. Mm, good point. Good point. It's, uh... <clears throat> well, that's under that's understandable, uh, and and don't be too, don't be too sad. This is one you can watch at home on on TV. It's all right. Oh yeah, I have the I have Disney Plus still. Hey, because because like everybody in the world, when you subscribe to a streaming service. You watch what you got it for, and then you forget about it for mm -hmm. the rest of your life. And it's just five bucks that you pay for forever without remembering why. <laughs> because unless you are so poor that five bucks is actually a meal that you will miss if you don't have it, it's not that big a deal on your paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> I still have Disney Plus, so I'm sure it's going to be coming on there sooner or later. Uh, Absolutely. As gentle reminder to everybody watching, double check your subscription services. You might be paying $30 a month that you don't need to be. Yes. $30 a month to like six different services. Isn't that great? We all, we all finally cut the cable to cable TV and and we've replaced it with just six different services that each cost us five to ten dollars a month. Oh, you know what's really hilarious? Um, is like AMC isn't satisfied with trying to sign up people for their streaming service. They launch like little mini focused streaming services that they charge full price for and then hide that they're part of AMC so they can make more money. My goodness. And, and make sure that these little streaming services are monopolies, though that the movies that are on them you can't get anywhere else. Um, so like Shudder, that had those movies that I was recommending a couple weeks ago or last mm -hmm. week, The Vampire. Yeah. Um, the Shudder service is owned by AMC. Now, I don't know if AMC founded them or AMC bought them, but the effect is the same. Uh, if you want to see these movies, you have to pay Shudder, and then if you want to see AMC movies, you have to pay AMC twice. So you're handing over AMC two fees a month if if that's what you want to do. And I'm sure that AMC has other uh, mini 
streaming services that they'll be happy to allow you to uh, pay them for access. Yeah, That's and a scam. It's total scam. And Simon Hogwood asks, isn't that what we all wanted, though? It, not quite. <laughs> not quite. Uh, I think in this in, – in, in, Shudder's a good example of something that that people want, right? Hey, I you know what? I just I love horror movies. Just give me a service so I can watch all these old classics and and whatever whenever I want. But I I'm not the only one who said, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, to, you know, even 20 years ago. Hey, why am why am I paying so much for all these cable channels? Cuz the cable companies in order to be viable, they had to bundle uh, 40 channels you didn't want with the two that you did want. You know, everybody wanted uh, back then. It was like, yeah, I, I want CNN and AMC, or or you know, they they had two or three channels they wanted. We really just wanted an a la carte <laughs> cable network, and instead, what we got is the whole everything fragmenting with all these different streaming companies trying to hoover up all the rights to things that people want to watch. It's a bit of a mess right now. Yeah, and uh, people are finding out, companies are finding out that they have huge libraries of shows that are essentially worthless in terms of streaming. That they have to peg the success of their personalized streaming service just for them on one single franchise. Uh, and I don't think that's a viable long-term strategy. Uh, like, uh, I don't, CBS All Access? It's it's 100% Star Trek, right? Right. And so that's not a viable long-term strategy. Sooner or later, they're going to have to get together with somebody else to stream because there are a lot of shows that CBS has done that I'd like to see uh, again, or I wouldn't mind streaming, but... Uh, it's not worth paying. Now, that's interesting. That's a really good point because when I think of all the shows that CBS has really leaned on over the years, it's those weekly dramas that, right. I mean, I mean, I that hate to say lot. it, like aimed at an older audience, like old the type people of people, old people shows, you know, like they're going to, they're going to watch the news after dinner and, and then they're going to leave it on and, Oh, The Good Wife is on. I like this show. I'm going to watch that. That sort of thing. Matlock, Murder, She Wrote. I mean, Murder, She Wrote is a great show. I loved it when I was little. And I wouldn't mind being able to stream it if I was interested. And, and there are a lot of other CBS shows that are great. But people are not going to pay for shows like that. No. Um, like, even you expressing, hey, I liked that show... If someone gifted you a boxed set, DVDs with the entire series available for you to watch, I mean, you'd appreciate the gesture, but I mean, you wouldn't be really excited about that. You wouldn't, it's not a service that you'd pay for. No, it's not a service I'd pay for. Now, if I was already paying for a service, like, say, Netflix, um, I'd be happy if that was available, like Barney Miller. Uh, I'd love to have access to Barney Miller to watch some episodes of Barney Miller or The Rockford Files, you know? These are some classic shows. Um, mm. Barnaby Jones. 
I wouldn't mind being able to watch those again. Or even some older shows that I never got a chance to watch because they were before my time, like Starsky and Hutch um, or Kojak. I'd love to have a chance to kind of get caught up on the culture that was around before I could really be immersed in culture, the 70s. Um, but I'm not going to go out and pay for a streaming service to be able to watch, you know, 70 hours of Kojak. Um, so they're in a bind. They're in a tough spot. Uh, and a lot of them are going to be finding themselves with a very short-term strategy. Netflix hmm. was doing its best to assemble a large online streaming library, which is where I think it's the natural spot for the market is going to be an oligopoly, like three or four services that each have huge parts of the pie um, with maybe one or two Disney-like services off to the side because they can. Because Disney's got Pixar and Fox and now Hulu. So they got Disney for all their kids' stuff, and then they can stick any adult stuff on Hulu. Um, but um, you turn around and go, but what really happened was Netflix started. It had a kind of a big library. They were always struggling with Hollywood because Hollywood was getting really pissy about stuff. They didn't like the fact that they weren't in charge and calling the shots anymore. And so they all, all wanted to call the shots. All the uh, studio execs wanted to call the shots. They went out and each of them created their own streaming service. And now they're going to find out that their streaming service, not only is it uh, dependent on one single franchise, it's also dependent on original shows and largely original shows set in that franchise. And so far they've been disastrous. I mean, how, how disastrous has, has Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard been? Yeah, not very popular. And, and they had to do it just to keep the streaming service going, as you said. Yeah. I've been watching Star Trek Picard. I think the last couple of episodes are coming out in the next week or two. So, uh, when the series is over, I'll do a review of the whole series. Uh, Red Letter Media has been doing a review every couple of episodes. Uh, if you want to watch their take on it. Um, that it's kind of amusing <laughs> to see when, like, Mike is the one who's really interested in dissecting it, but he kind of misses a lot of the episodes. And Rich is watching it with a sense of dread, and he doesn't even want to talk about it. And he's, he's like he's being dragged in to watch it and beaten up. It's it's torture. He's being forced to watch it like uh, <laughs> Clockwork Orange style. <laughs> wow. Um, so it's amusing to see. But, yeah, I've been watching Picard. Um, and when it's actually over, we can talk about it on the show. Okay, yeah, I look forward to your take on it. I've never really been a huge Star Trek uh, fan, so it's always fun to get people's perspective on it. But but I think what you're going to see is all of these, you know, this plethora of streaming services is a temporary situation. It's just not viable because people aren't going to be paying that much money for it. Um, we're going to hit an economic downturn. 
I don't know how big, but it's it's coming right now. I mean, we're scheduled. We're probably in for a cyclical recession anyway, and I think that the economic disruption caused by um, the Wuhan flu um, is going to probably, you know, cause a lot of disruptions on its own and and make things a little bit more difficult. Um, which may make people more willing to spend on entertainment. Um, but at the same time, you have to actually deliver entertainment. People are not going to want to spend money on guilty, on white guilt streaming services. They're not going to want to spend money on political um, statements. People who are kind of hurting either because of sickness, death in the family, economic dislocation, whatever, they want actual real entertainment. And I've just gone completely into left field here with a whole bunch of speculations added upon speculations, added upon speculations. So let me back up out of the morass I got myself into again <laughs> and just, just go back to my central thesis, which is all of these many, many, many streaming services can't last for long. I think we're going to see uh, inevitable failures and a, uh, uh, a condensation into an oligopoly situation where you have most of it being done in four, uh, three, four, five bigger streaming services that are kind of Netflixy. And uh, all of them are going to have to focus on original content uh, above and beyond uh, above and beyond any catalogs they have. And the smaller competitors are going to have to get hyper-specific with what they offer. Uh, I don't I, think you're far off the mark there. <laughs> if I could get vulgar here for a second, it's going to be like porn. If you're not one of the big boys who grabbed a big name before online porn even started, um, or one of the medium boys who grabbed a name at the very beginning of online porn, then you're one of the tiny, tiny fractions of a few who are scrabbling around with hyper, hyper, hyper specific uh, fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a disturbing parallel. I think it's pretty appropriate. Well, I'm anybody looking at how online media works, or, or even just media in general, because that's how it was for the pulp magazines back in the 20s. Everybody's fragmenting. Everybody's fragmenting. You had big names who got away with, you know, like uh, Weird Tales. They got away with doing a bunch of different stuff. But then everybody else, in order to compete, who came in later had to get more and more and more hyper-specific just to find an audience. So um, it's not like it's a new phenomenon, uh, but I just think you're going to see the bigger boys, the bigger um, studios are, are too fragmented. They're going to have to consolidate. And then little guys, if they want to go it alone, 
are gonna uh, get more hyper-specific to compete, like Shutter. Let's uh, flip back to the chat. Good afternoon, and let's give a good afternoon to Simon Hogwood, Jackson Anderson, JB14, and Emmett Fitzhume, who just joined us. No, uh, no questions in the chat. We have eight people listening right now. It's a quiet day. They're all contemplating the wisdom. <laughs> I'm discussing this quietly and, and not loudly. Because there's nothing to yell at. I'm just watching mm -hmm. it play out. I'm watching a lot of things play out right now. Uh, and I'm off in my corner doing my little thing, getting stuff ready, so that when it launches, things are going to be... Uh, Things are going to be very different. I, well, got, right. I got stuff so secret, I haven't even told myself about it yet. That's a neat trick. Mental walls. <laughs> so, um, I, that, that was an entire subject uh, detour I did not expect to take. That's why we do the show. That's why we do the show. So it's because you never know. We always have unplanned time uh, when we do the show. We know we're going to talk about this and that, and then let's we allow time for detours. But I think you had one other thing you wanted to talk about. Don't let us don't let us talk fool you, kids. Sometimes the entire show is unplanned. Time. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's sitting there trying to act like you know. Oh yes, we always have something planned, but we always leave a little extra just in case. That's usually true. That's mostly true, especially if we've got a guest. But no, there are some times when we sit down and start the show, and we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I rarely know what's going on. Um, well, I, I went and saw uh, Jumanji, the next level. Oh, yeah? Uh, it's the sequel to uh, the last Jumanji. Well, first of all, I I've only vaguely remember them making a sequel, but I, th I thought that was from last year. It was. It came out in December. Um and it was hugely popular, made a ton of money. Uh, everybody talked about it and was all excited about it. And then it seemed to kind of fade away. Well, apparently it just faded away by staying in theaters and continuing to make money. Which, huh. By the way, folks, anybody listening to the audience who wants to be a writer or make movies or music or whatever, if you can arrange that kind of fading away, that's the best fade away possible. You know, Come out strong, make a big career, and then fade away into people buying your records quietly for the next 30 years. Yeah, that's the good kind of fading away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they – it's just there. It's it, Every time I check the theaters to go see what movies are there, Jumanji is just, just staying in there, staying in there, staying in there. I mean, it loses showtimes every week, one or two. But people are still going and people are still paying money. And I know that because I'm one of the people who went and paid money uh, with, with a good friend of ours from Salt Lake City. So um, what can I say about Jumanji? I really liked the, the last Jumanji. We did talk about that on the show. I'm absolutely, utterly certain of it. 
um, where it's kind of a video game. They were sucked inside the video game. Um, and this one, if you saw the trailers, you know what it is. They're sucked inside the video game again, and uh, some additional people are brought along. Uh, it's not quite as good as the first The Rock Jumanji, but it was still enjoyable as heck. It was a fun quest adventure. <laughs> you see how the show is kind of linking together there? <laughs> Every show is an adventure. No, I mean this one in particular. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, people get switched up in different bodies and have to do different things. The game's been updated. This is like a, a, a sequel game. So all their powers got changed a bit. They're in entirely new environments facing entirely new enemies. Uh, all the, they went in thinking, oh, yeah, we did this Jumanji thing before. We know exactly what's going on. And then they find out that they don't know anything of what's going on. They have to do stuff differently. Um, characters are fun watching the characters. You know, they got over being assholes in the last movie. And they're more fun to be with. And I enjoyed it. Um, Danny DeVito's in it. He turns in a good performance. And if you like Danny DeVito, which I do, he's fun to be around. Um, ouch. Sorry. Um, and uh, Detective Murtaugh, which isn't his real name. Why can't I remember his name? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to go to IMDb to help you out. All right. Help me out. It's the other really old guy is in it. From the Lethal Weapon series. Danny Glover? Danny Glover. Thank you. Good grief. He's in it. He turns in a great uh, performance. And, uh, um, you know, there are fun interactions there. Um, I just enjoyed it. It's an enjoyable movie. Um, there's action scenes. There's chases. There's things getting blown up. Um, yeah. They, they, this is just one of the things I found so funny. They tease at the beginning of the movie that one of the characters has a new combat skill they call nunchucks. Okay. And during the entire movie, they keep on looking around, or she keeps on looking around for nunchucks to get into to a combat with. And none of them show up until one of the climactic battles. And the sheer joy on her face she gets a pair of nunchucks and gets to kick ass with them is so like heartwarming and amusing <laughs> and the battle with them is is just great seeing her finally get her nunchucks and kick ass with them and just the little things like that that are you know i don't know i enjoyed it well that's good it's heartwarming watching people finally get their nunchucks and cracking the heads of bad guys those are words to live by. It's heartwarming to watch people finally get their nunchucks. So, this is not one of those long, dreary, boring movies that you got to watch to, you know, several times to uh, dig out a deep meaning. But there is, you know, there are thematic. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kevin Hart blew that away. Absolutely correct. 
uh, Emmett Fitzhume, for those of you who are hearing this instead of seeing it, Kevin Hart channeling Danny Glover stole the movie from The Rock. That's uh, Emmett Fitzhume in the chat saying, um, absolutely the truth. Uh, you <laughs> you got to see The Rock acting like Danny DeVito, and you got to see Kevin Hart acting like Danny Glover. <laughs> and that was that was just amusing the whole the whole show and there are lots of things like that aquafina is in this and just her name annoyed me so much that i haven't really liked her in much of anything wait but, that's that that's a brand of bottled water i know she's got it's like a street name or a whatever it's a w k w a f i n a aquafina that's all right, I've, I've got the IMDb up. Nora Lum is an American actress and rapper. That's her, that's her rapper name is yes. a brand of bottled water. Um, is is that some sort of ironic thing? Is, is it I, is it tongue-in-cheek? I don't know. Don't even care. But that name annoyed me so much, I haven't liked her. Even just hearing about her. Oh, yeah, Aquafina's in this new show. I, I I'm just, like, yeah. well, when you said it, I was like, that's... That's interesting. That's very specific product placement. Yeah. No, normally, normally, product placement that 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 is that um, prominent is like a Audi or BMW or Rolex, <laughs> right? These these big name luxury brands, but not not, not a bottled water or Coke even. Um. So she's um. She actually does a fun job. Uh. The geeky, skinny kid with the inhaler who got turned into The Rock, the last movie, instead gets turned into this skinny, short, Asian sneak thief. Uh, picks locks, sneaks into places, steals things, stuff like that. So it's very much a pulp-inspired Disney uh, D&D adventure. Cool. Um, I mean, you you could if you took away all the technology and made it medieval, um, this would be a uh, almost a perfect D and D adventure. Um, uh, but as it is, it's it's a, it's kind of a pulpy adventure. Um, so yeah, it uh, and seeing Aquafina act like this skinny, measly uh, Jewish kid, uh, she did a good job with it. She pulled it off. Um, Nick Jonas makes a return. Oh, is that a spoiler? Uh, I don't know. I, it is. Maybe is it if you've seen the first one, I don't know. The, the movie has been out for four months. So if you haven't seen it by now, that's your tough luck. You just got a little tiny spoiler. He's, um, he's, he's listed in the cast on IMDb. Yeah. So, so I, it, they spoiled it. Sorry. Um, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed cool. it. wasn't as good as the first one. It was it was a fun way to kill two hours. Uh, call back to when you talked about it still being in the theaters and making money. I, I found a little chart. Maybe I can share this for those of you watching. Da, da, da. There we go. So it looks like it's been in theaters for 85 days. So it's probably going to be in 15 days. 
and it hasn't made nearly as much money as the previous one from 2017. But yeah, it had there. a it had a big opening weekend, and then it tapered off, and then it followed a normal curve. So not uh, normal. I shouldn't probably use the word normal in this context, but uh, a typical is what I should say. A typical curve in uh, revenue, and of course, they've all got their asymptote because enough people have seen them that uh, they're not. Gonna, it's not going to make much money from here on out. So it's not going to make much more money. It's pretty much done. But it's had a run. Yep. And this uh, yellow line here is the original one with Robin Williams. Not and adjusted this, for inflation, of course. Not adjusted for inflation, yeah. That's from 95. And uh, I don't know what Zathura is. Did they make a straight to... No, no. Zathura is... Uh, somebody said, well, man, Jumanji, which was a board game, the original, did so well. We should make another movie just exactly like that. So they made another movie with Dax, uh, the sidekick to the uh, uh, jackass guy, uh, who also showed up in like uh, Men in Black. Uh, anyways, he, he's, uh, he's an actor. Um, and only instead of being a jungle-themed board game that gets you trapped and other stuff, it's a sci-fi board game. I haven't seen the movie, so I'm interpolating from trailers that I saw 10, 15 years ago when it came out. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, it came out in 2005, and it made yes. basically it, – it actually lost money. That's what it was. It was a sci-fi clone. It wasn't a ripoff because it was the same studio. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was a sci-fi clone of the Jumanji situation. Like they start playing it and their house turns into a rocket ship and takes off into space. And whenever they run into an obstacle on the board, like an asteroid uh, or a meteor swarm, the meteor swarm comes and pummels their house slash rocket. Uh, directed by John Favreau and not starring Robin Williams, which explains why it made no money. Yep. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, I'm glad to hear that it's sort of uh, Jumanji had a full run. I'm glad they. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I'm glad the other people enjoyed it. Ow. I don't have any. I don't have any questions about that. You don't? Not not a single one? Well, okay. Something just came to mind. Now that you asked. You mentioned everybody but Jack Black. Oh, yeah. Is is he done? Is he no, is he no longer entertaining? No, he was in there. Um, I'm trying to remember who Jack Black... Who got Jack Black's body. Oh... Uh, the athlete, the black football player who get who got thrown into tension with them, became Jack Black and had to read the map. So okay. that was, he didn't have as much to work with as everybody else did because basically he had to pretend to be a black 
kid and have an urban accent and say some, you know, black football player stuff. Yeah. As Jack Black. Without going so far with it that uh, it would get the movie picketed or. Yeah, that's an awkward, that's an awkward role to play. Yeah. (laughs) Because it wasn't parody like uh, Tropic Thunder was parody where. Right. Where. Yeah, the Robert Downey Jr. could turn it up to eleven because that was that was what they were parodying. He had he had to play it sincere. Yeah. So I mean, he did a good job. He really did play that character. He played um, the athlete the way the athlete actually was. So he he was an actor. He played that part and nailed it. It's just that he got overwhelmed because you had. A bunch of other people there who all had more colorful uh parts to play like the rock standing there uh you know scratching his head and acting like danny devito every five minutes what we're in a video game <laughs> so what you're the girlfriend It uh, so so I will say what Jack Black did was actually a really good thing. He turned in a great uh, performance without being able to mug for the camera. He turned in a quiet, solid, uh, good performance without being able to mug for the camera. So he was a pillar rather than. Um, you know, rather than a spotlight. Uh, but he did get uh, some, he got some solo time later and did a really good job with that too. It's, that sounds unlike him, but I guess it's difficult not to be uh, upstaged by The Rock. He did also get a chance later for one scene to play the girl. Um, <laughs> and he did a hilarious job of that. Uh, the other girl, because in the first movie he was the blonde girl, uh, and then and then in this one he got a chance to play the redhead for for a scene, and and that was that was really funny. So, yeah, D- couldn't really stand out, but he still did a good job. Cool. So. Uh, Oh, yes. Bradford Walker said Karen Gillian is still looking good. She absolutely is. I would second and third that comment. And uh, uh, unless there are any objections, uh, motion passes by acclaim. Oh, hang on. I need to. All right. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm not going to object to that. Okay. Um. <laughs> um. Hey, man, I think you're done talking about Jumanji. I were done for the show. Indeed. Uh, well, it was it was fun talking about uh, some movies and whatever came up. It's cool to have everybody in the chat uh, hanging out. Um, good luck on on the manuscript. We got we have our our pulp rev writers hanging out, writing in the background as they listen. And I really appreciate everybody who listens later. Uh, you uh, really happy you guys. Uh, 
listen to us when you're riding or driving or whatever. Uh, it's really good knowing you're out there listening. And I'm done for for this week. You're done. That's it. You're spent. I'm spent, man. Gotta go, go over to your uh, go over to your uh, your half couch and just lay down. <sighs> um. All right. This is my turn. It's my turn. Take it away. Um, this has been Geek Gather Saturday, March 7th, 2020. I want to thank everyone who listened live and participated in the chat. And I want to thank everyone who uh, will listen to us later. You can catch us on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab. You can catch us on the Google Play Store. You can catch us on the Apple iTunes Store. And you can catch us on soundcloud.com. Just do a search for Geek Gab, and we will be available on the device of your choice. Uh, we have been Dornall and, of course, me, Colonel Warpig. We're signing out for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.